And now, beautiful people going fast on fire. Welcome to the True Fiction Podcast, Kino Club Edition. Welcome to True Fiction's Kino Club, where we discuss movies old and new. Tonight, we will be discussing 2023's summer sci-fi action movie, The Meg 2, The Trench. Before we get started, I would like to ask everyone listening to go to Spotify or your favorite podcast app and subscribe to the show. That way you'll never miss an episode and it really helps us. Now let's get started. Kino Club Roll Call. I'm Pat. I'm Norbert. I'm Marshall. And now, Meg to the Trench. This movie is a science fiction action film. It's directed by Ben Wheatley from a screenplay by John Hober. It's based on a 1999 novel, The Trench by Steve Alton. It's a sequel to The Meg. And if you've seen that movie, it was Jason Statham and Wu Ying. Like the previous film, it follows a group of scientists who must outrun and outswim the titular megalodons when a malevolent mining operation threatens their mission and forces them into high-stakes battle for survival. What do we like about this movie? I liked a lot about this movie. I really liked Jason Statham in this film. I think he's a good actor and always enjoy seeing him in a movie. I enjoyed... A lot of the characters and the character dynamics and just how wacky and crazy the movie gets. It hits a point where it's like a roller coaster ride and just keeps going to the end. So I really enjoyed those aspects about this film. I liked uh, the visuals of it. I thought it, it was fun to look at. It didn't look cheap. It felt like a 90s action film to me. I liked the fact that it was very unpretentious. It was an action film and it didn't try to pretend to be something else. There was no deeper morals to think about as I got done. The good guys were good. The bad guys were bad. And then you had scary creatures. I'm in. Yeah, they really did a good job with the creatures. And it's not just the Megs you have to worry about in this movie. For me, this felt like. A sci-fi channel movie with a much better budget and a much better acting. It's just a lot of fun. It's one of these turn your brain off and just roll with it. It's not something that you're going to get smarter from. So just enjoy the flick. The other thing I liked a lot about it was the special effects are really top-notch. And I think this really separates it from a lot of other movies like this. If any of you have seen this, sci-fi channel movies you know that the special effects are it looks like some 15 year old kid did them and it didn't cost anything they did it on trial software this really looks good when you're looking at these sets you don't even think about them being sets they just feel real because in this movie there's a lot that happens on a oil rig and then there's stuff that happens in a submerged mining camp thing and then you're on the bottom of the ocean for quite a while and it actually looks really good that was the thing that surprised me about that is that so having the establishing shots with great sets i don't i can't imagine uh, the rig was all practical but the underwater stuff it was convincing they sunk some money into those special effects so that it didn't take you out of the experience when you go oh that looks obviously I was very pleasantly surprised about that. One of the things that I liked about it is there was no real big 
moral hotspot that people could like politically go on one side or the other of. Statham was a environmental crusader who was the bad guys that he's initially taking on are dumping nuclear waste into the ocean. I think we can all get behind that. There's nothing really controversial about that. And so I thought that was refreshing that you don't have to go, oh, geez, here we go into this political minefield, so to speak. Uh, bringing up the undersea stuff, you weren't looking at green screen, and I really like that. The other thing, too, I think you just mentioned it, but the beginning of the movie takes place like a million years ago, and it's frigging awesome. When you watch the beginning of this movie, it really kicks it off in style. When you write a story or a movie or anything like that, there should be the thing that gets you excited about the film at the very beginning of it. And this one had it. I love this one. I, I think I probably could have watched an entire movie that were these monsters fighting from back in the day. So that was a lot of fun. Then they get to Fun Island in the movie, which is a resort someplace and everybody's having a blast and they don't realize that we have these megalodons coming to visit and feed and these other creatures that survived through the years which are they're awesome because they're land and sea you get a lot of fun action of them on land at the end and once again, the special effects are seamless. I think they look so good. A lot of times when you watch a movie that has this many special effects, it can sometimes weigh down the story. Luckily, there's not a lot of story here, so there's not a lot of, <laughs> to get weighed down. So what happened for me, it was just nonstop. Once they got to Fun Island, it was really on. The whole thing went just phantasmagoric just everything was going crazy it was a lot of fun it had some iconic images or images that sort of stick with you like the jason statham on the jet ski with the harpoon going at the megalodon <laughs> to me that's just an image that sticks in my head and so from that standpoint i really like that kind of when you can think of something so arresting it sticks with you afterwards and you continue to remember it then you've won yeah that with jason statham with the spears was awesome i thought that was uh so cool i remember in the 90s there were a bunch of movies that would come out that were just turn your brain off and watch the action and enjoy the ride and what i noticed with those movies back in the 90s or at least maybe my perspective of it was like sometimes you would no matter what it was, you enjoyed the ride of the movie because it was just an intense action-packed film. But once in a while, you'd get one of those movies and you'd go, oh, wow, that was actually done really well. And it, it was very enjoyable and it was more enjoyable than the other ones, but I still have fun with those ones. It feels like a throwback or a callback to those movies. But at the same time, it was done very well where I walked away from the film going, I'm really satisfied with this. I'm really glad I watched this or it was just enjoyable. And I wonder why more production companies don't make like this. I think they really want to. I really do. This is a good template for how to do a movie like this correctly. And I think the problem is that there's so many things that can go wrong 
in a movie. How many times have we heard where the script was written a thousand times or they kick out, they basically fire everybody that had anything to do with the script while they're shooting the movie and rewrite it while they're doing the movie. I don't know why this happens, but it's unbelievable that the money that these things take to make, that they will actually do something like that. It really seems like you're cursing the picture, but this movie had a budget of $129 million. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money to, to put out there. Now, so far, it's made $384 million, actually $384.9 million. I don't have a clue if that's worldwide or if that's just American take, but that's no small chunk of change. So this movie did really well in the box office. Or it's going to make a profit anyway, what it looks like. I think that they one of the things that, that we had talked about was doing those kind of films. It's really easy. A lot of people, a lot of the, the big directors would want to do that practical, everything practical. And we'll want a practical Megalodon like a Christopher Nolan or a James Cameron, or maybe even a Steven Spielberg. But what would your budget be at that point? It would be crazy. And this, uh, like I said, for what it is, I, I think that they did a fine job visually pa packaging this, that the action of it was well done. So from that standpoint, I think you can't have much complaints based on what they spent on it. No, absolutely not. And I don't know what it took to, because this was a Chinese and American venture of a movie. So it was split between them. So you have Jason Statham is probably the biggest name, American name in it. And I don't know who Wu Ying is or Sophia Kai. I don't know those people, you know, those actors or actresses. So the only one that I recognize, the only money person I would think, that I could see, and I don't know what it, you know, about the Chinese uh, actors, which all of them did a pretty darn good job, by the way. I just know that Statham probably got a pretty good paycheck for this and uh, reprising his role. And I, of course, they wanted him back for the sequel. About he was movie. a producer, too. Was he was he? a producer. Yes. They're more likely when you get producer credit, get some of the returns from yeah. the box office. I don't have him listed there, but that doesn't mean that he's not executive or something in there someplace. But here's another thing I really liked about this movie. It's a genuine sequel. It's not a using different people or stuff. There's a little girl in the first movie. She's in this movie. Her mom, of course, if you didn't see the first movie, <laughs> you probably you might want to see it, but her mom's not in this one. Okay, let's just say that. And so you have these people that were in the first one that are now very close to this little girl. And it's like Jason Statham's an uncle character to her. So there's a lot of kind of family dynamics in this movie that it's almost like all these people are raising this little girl. Of course, they're taking her to places to see megalodons and horrible creatures that will eat people and do. And she snuck aboard too, but. But it still was very endearing. I thought I thought there was a, a lot of heart in this movie in that sense. I thought from that standpoint, it was a, a true sequel. It wasn't a prequel. It wasn't any of those things. And I don't know what kind of following this movie had. I just know I saw the first one and I liked it good enough to, to give this one a, a try. But the continuity of it felt pretty good, at least from my standpoint. I did not watch the first one. 
I, that's something I enjoyed about this movie is that I think there are some inside jokes that I might've missed here and there, just based on the first movie or things that information that had carried over. But as a movie on its own, it definitely stood on its own. And it wasn't something where I was like, oh, I'm so lost. I don't know what's going on, which I think they could have easily, even being the type of movie that it was, where it's not super heavy plot driven or, you know, it's not, you don't have to think real hard on it. I think they still could have thrown enough things in there where it would have thrown it off. If I, you know, like it would have been something more connecting to the first movie. I don't know. Some people might've enjoyed that. I can only speak to, since I'd only watched this one, I was glad they did that. I think it, it just stands on its own as a the type of movie that it is. No reason to watch the first one if you don't want to. Although the first one is a fun movie and there are certain, I don't want to call them gags, but there's certain things that happen that happen in the first movie that are kind of cool things they repeated in this movie. So there are a lot of things we liked about this movie. But on the other hand, there are a few things that we didn't care for. What did we not care for? I did not like the dialogue on it. It didn't feel polished at all. It felt like an AI draft. The jokes didn't land as well as if they were polished up a little bit. The lines weren't great. That was the... For me, the weakest part of the whole movie was the dialogue. There's other things that, that I can quibble with, but that is the biggest problem with this movie in my mind is the dialogue. Now, the second thing that I got tripped up on was the whole uh, Jason Statham is going underwater, I don't know how many miles, and he's going to swim from one part of a undersea station to the next in, in water. And basically one of the characters asked, won't that kill him? Won't that, the pressure be too much? And then somebody says, no, that's not how pressure works. And they just showed the scene before somebody imploding from pressure. Okay. That didn't ring true to me. That just felt like. Why did you have to do that? Why did you have to take me out of the experience and say, oh, now that's silly. Why can Statham be working inside the water station and trying to have obstacles to overcome there as opposed to going in? I don't know what kind of pressure, but the pressure that basically killed those people in that sub not too long ago, those rich people that was in the sub where they went and gotten too much pressure and uh, the, collapsed the sub. So if it's going to collapse the sub, it's probably going to collapse you. So there you go. But number one, by far for me, was the dialogue. And number two were certain instances where you went, mm. oh, there was one other little thing that I noticed that I scratched my head at. And that was Statham started out with three spears strapped on his back. He threw two of them. <laughs> and after he threw the second one. They went to a shot and he still had two left. <laughs> and then he goes jet skiing off for a while. And the next same time they show up, he has one. So somebody missed out on continuity. But that's a little thing. That's very forgivable. Yeah, Statham is like the new Chuck Norris, I think, where he can will things into existence. It's <laughs> so powerful. I believe it. 
I agree with Norbert on a lot of those things. Those are a lot of my points. I wonder, we've had time to think about it and digest it. One thing that I want to throw out is we need, I, I just feel like it's silly, but we need to look up the science to it of how the pressure works. Because the more I think about it, it's such a ludicrous scene in the movie to where somebody's head implodes from the pressure. And then later they're like, oh, wait, if, if I can acclimate and breathe out all the air from my body, I'll be fine for 30 seconds because that's how pressure works. It's such a silly, ludicrous point. Could that be true? And that's why they put it in the film. And I've, I've got to know. And the only reason I say that is because Lord of War, a major plot point of Lord of War is when he says, Nicholas Cage, and he says he's an arms dealer. And he says that he gets all his supplies from uh, previously war- war-torn areas. And he says, because when they uh, bring the troops back or they recall the troops, they leave all the supplies there. And I remember when I seen that, I said, that's the stupidest plot point to push along a movie I've ever seen. Fast forward to when we left Afghanistan in real life and we left all the supplies there and they, and there was the big discussion of it was in the news. It was factual. It was cheaper to leave everything there than to have it shipped back. And so I just, so now I just wonder, could that be a true scientific plot point? But it's probably not. It's probably just movie ridiculousness. I think when they say that it's cheaper to leave it behind, part of me wonders if that's actually the reason why they do that. The other reason would be contractors get paid to make more. And the whole idea is to keep that <laughs> oh, going. <yeah. laughs> they may be like, yeah, it's cheaper just to leave them behind. Right, Wink? <laughs> but... I, yeah, I, mean, I, I wouldn't doubt it if that's, but it happens. It does happen. They do yeah. leave all the weapons. And I remember watching that movie and I thought, there's no way that's fake. That's just a kind of a, a plot point to push the movie along. And then uh, sure enough, it's, it's a hundred percent true. The other things I didn't care for were, I think the spears, the uh, regenerating spears were, but at the same time, that was just laughable enough that I, I liked it. It's like the bad guys run out of bullets, but the good guys have a, a clip that just has in, infinite amount of bullets. And then I don't care for, it's not that it bothered me in the movie, because I don't think it took me out of the movie at all, but I think knowing some of the political issues with Chinese government and knowing that the Chinese government is directly connected to the Chinese movie studios and some of their track record, I'm not a big fan of the dual studio cooperation films. I did enjoy this movie a lot. I think it's one of those things where it's just unfortunate. We're just going to continue to see more of, I think, as a, a lot of movie studios are now pushing for a more global audience. And we don't have to get into a lot of it, but the listeners can Google. I think we know the Chinese government has had some shady dealings in the past. And with it, yeah. (laughs) Huh? The direct tie there to the movie studios. But sometimes I also find some of that interesting from like a marketing point of view. There there are little things where you can see they're trying to do cultural overlapping in this film. So that way it appeals to a wider national market 
one of those things. They play a famous, uh, I think it's a, an English pop song. It might be an American pop song, but they do it with Chinese lyrics. And I thought that was very interesting. So it's enough for the Western audiences to recognize the song, but then also it's in Chinese for the, the Chinese audience. So I think some of those things are they're interesting to catch and to watch for why they're doing some of those things. Well, it's all about money, really. It's all about entertainment and money, I will say that. I enjoyed this movie. Are we giving <laughs> to Chinese communism when we go to this movie? Maybe. I don't know. But we're also buying a lot of stuff from China still. And I don't know which is the worst sin. I feel weird about it, but I also felt like culturally... It was very interesting, like you said. I love foreign movies, that this movie is almost, not quite, but almost half in Chinese and half in English. It's a very interesting thing. I'm going to go back, too, about things we didn't like. Norbert, you were talking about the dialogue. And I think part of it was that they have a Chinese person in this movie. There's several Chinese people, but one of the main characters is Chinese, but it feels like he's trying to act Western. And maybe he was raised that way. And I don't know if his lines are that bad. I just feel like I don't really get how he presents these lines, to be honest. I, I don't know. I'd have to watch the movie again to decide whether I thought that it was actually a bad line or was just a bad delivery. It did feel a little bit hokey in, in a way. That may be an issue that I have. I just thought the dialogue was a little hokey. And Jason Statham's dialogue is almost not there. He doesn't say a whole lot. And he he's just like this action guy that basically he's, I'll let my actions do the talking kind of thing. Clint Eastwood. Yes, exactly. Now, I want to bring up something because while you guys were talking, and, and it was good, I was appreciating you guys having your conversation. <laughs> I was looking up the physics of being at the bottom of the wa water. And what it says is, basically, if you're enclosed and you have something that will keep you breathing, there's a good chance that you won't die as long as you have something that can keep pushing your lungs open. But if you don't have anything, Jason Statham didn't have anything on, the pressure would push everything, all the air out of his body, and then it would also then make him... Once his mouth opened up to let that go, then it would fill with the water and kind of the thing what we humans are like when you don't have any air and you can't get air, you usually die. So it was the pressure, but it wouldn't have been like he would have imploded. Now there are now what? That, how much pressure was this that you looked up? Oh, what? They said the bottom of the ocean. I don't know. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Now that's the yeah. other thing too. They say that when you get that low. It's very cold and more than likely you would die of hypothermia. But even though they said it was cold, wasn't it a warm, wasn't that warm down there? I thought that was the kind of the reason that the uh, megalodons were alive down there. Um, the geothermal kind Yeah, the of, geothermal uh, thing. It, because they had to pierce basically an area to get to the normal water. It may have been warmer. Yeah. I don't really know if our um, talk of the science of the Meg 2 really helps you decide whether you want to see this movie, <laughs> but I will say that was a part that I thought was hokey, and it really did almost pull me out, although 
by that time, you're already buying all this other stuff that's happening and you're going, yeah, what the hell? I'm in. So I'll t- take that. I think part of that too is that part of the movie, you haven't got to the action yet. You haven't traversed to the action yet. And it's not the big action. Yeah. So I think it maybe sticks out a little more to us because it's definitely in a lull, I would say, of the movie where we're still building plot. And there, there's a time where, and I think you mentioned this, but it, to me, that was a part of the movie. If I'm watching it linearly, I think about the film and I'm thinking, okay, this is really slow. I hope this isn't how the entire film is. And then to where if something like that would have happened after the fun beach <laughs> area, then I, I might've been like, okay, I can, I'll buy into that a little more than this, the very plotting slow moving action that we've seen up to that point at least put it separate it from when the lady implodes <laughs> yeah yeah that's a good don't, point. Ba- don't sandwich those to- don't push those back to back basically that <laughs> that just invites your skepticism well we just saw this lady implode <laughs> and now he's not and she had a helmet on that was why she imploded actually yeah because she didn't yeah. have that was a pressurized suit when the pressure was leased and then it imploded. Jason Statham right. was, he was not pressurized. So that's the science of it. Yeah, it doesn't really yeah, fly. That, <laughs> that was great. One thing that you, Pat, I think you told me that you was not happy with the third or the act in a, in a, at the flo- ocean floor. Maybe you can talk about that a little bit. It's really a lull. And you, you start feeling like, because there's, there is action, but you watch them walk. It's supposed to be like three kilometers where they're, they have to worry about oh, how much air is in their tanks. And then they're being attacked and they're walking three kilometers to get to this underwater mining station. And it feels like you watch them walk every one of those kilometers. So it, it really drags a little bit there. There was enough action before that, that I felt like I was still engaged in the movie. And so what's going on in the film I thought it was intriguing enough because there's things happening that you don't realize that are happening. So I think that was a big part of, even though that was a really a lull in the movie, and I think we all can admit that was a lull. And I've looked at other interviews and other people talking about it, and that's a problem that a lot of people have had. For me, I forgot about what was going on the ocean floor when they got to Fun Island or were even heading towards Fun Island. And it was just so action-packed there. And like I said, you'll see things that you wanted to see. There's things that you're like, oh, man, I'd love to see this kind of fight. Oh, there it is. That is so cool. I don't want to go into it, but it's another huge creature escapes from that little area in the bottom of the ocean to cause havoc with the megalodons and for and the people that are at Fun Island. So it was really cool. And then the ones that are kind of like big dogs that can swim, that was another really great group of creatures that were there. Like a sequel, it's got to be bigger, more explosions, more creatures, and everything's got to be twice as big. And this one really lived up to that. I know we're talking about things we didn't like, but once we got towards Fun Island, there is nothing I didn't like. I loved the whole thing. I don't think there was anything there that I... Uh, yeah, I get the Jason Statham has the magic harpoons that they appear and disappear, but that, that didn't bother me. I actually thought that was funny. And then when there's a 
time when he dispatches a, a Megalodon, I think it's the last one, is just so stupidly phenomenal. I, I, I just love that. This is something I'm going to watch again. I'm, I'm hoping that it comes to, I don't know, Netflix or Max or some movie channel that I pay for. I might even rent it on Voodoo or something. I just think it's fun. Now, before we go on to our final thoughts, and I don't know, does anybody have anything else to say about the, what they didn't like? I got two small things. Yeah, go ahead. One relates to the dialogue at the, they're both kind of script parts. One is at the end, I thought it lingered a little too much on like the uh, Statham character and the other guy and the daughter. I just, they could have wrapped that up a little quicker and I would have been happy. But the other thing is I wish they would have spent just a little bit more time, a little bit more time giving us a clue on what this stuff they was getting out of the ocean. I would like to know what that was and, and why it was so valuable. And you wouldn't have had to spend much time on it and I would have bought it, but just something to say, Hey, this is vibranium that we only thought it was in Wakanda, but we got it out in this ocean thing. It's worth a trillion billion dollars. Okay. They just said that's highly valuable metal, but I didn't understand why it was so great. Just a little throwaway would have made it a little bit easier for me to immerse myself even deeper into why it was so valuable. That's a small point, though. Yeah, it was definitely a MacGuffin. It was definitely this one thing to push a plot point. And if they had even, maybe they said it and I didn't hear it. I don't think they said it, but I, like I said, it was just one of these items I felt that they just used to push the plot point. And because of what it was, just to be honest, I didn't really care. I was like, okay, yeah, it's something. It's unobtainium. This is the only place they can find it on earth. Otherwise they have to go to Pandora to get it. So I was fine with that. Element 115, it bends gravities and you can put it in saucers and fly. I would have loved that. That would have been, yeah, that'd been cool. Absolutely. And who knows? Because look, the, the Meg 2 did well enough that I definitely can see a sequel. I already know what it's going to be about because I think we all probably know. I don't even want to talk about what it's probably going to be about, but I think it'll be very cool. The Meg 3, the Meganing. I don't know what they're going to call it, but it's going to be lots more Megs, I'll tell you that. Before we get on to our final thoughts, I want to do our little theater report. Marshall and I went to a place called Imagine, with an E, Imagine Theaters in Indianapolis, in Indy. And this theater was amazing. You walk in, it's huge, and it's got this player piano. And we had went on the National Cinema Day, which all seats were four bucks, which was awesome. And this theater had a, a heated and reclining seats that we had, although we didn't need the heat. And they also had these cuddle couches, if you wanted to, that you know, a couple could get. And the screen was huge. And the screen wasn't an IMAX, but it was huge. And the sound was amazing. And it really threw me back to when I was in uh, California and I watched E.T. in 70mm six-track Dolby. This just beautiful sound. And I seen Aliens, the second movie, the same way in Virginia. And it really did take me back to a theater like that. But this was 
even better because it's a new experience. A new big theater was, it was gorgeous. I wondered how much I would like this if I had seen it at my Rinky Dink Theater. My theater is like one of the worst theaters out there right now. And it's still an AMC, but it's a classic AMC. So going to the Imagine Theater was just, for me, it was the whole experience was just fantastic. And they got to see this movie. And I'm so glad we got to see that movie there because it was really even more epic and just amazing. I went and saw it in Jeffersonville, the Escape Theater, and they have the theater seating. And when I got my ticket, it was four bucks. And I thought that maybe the there was a computer glitch because I didn't know it was National Theater Day. But it's always a solid experience. It's very, it's much different than the Terre Haute Jungle Theater. <laughs> Serengeti Pop parking lot. Yeah. 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 But I, one of the things that I wanted to mention that I noticed going to the theater was they are advertising a lot of classic movies. And I thought the trailers for the classic movies were more appealing to me than the new movies that I saw prior to the Meg. It's just one of the things that I, observationally wise, I don't know if other people felt the same way, but I was like, ooh, I'd like to see that. Yeah, I'd like to see that. I think, is it in October? I think Lord of the Rings is coming back to the big screen and seeing that on their big digital screen might be really good. So I'm going to try to catch one of those movies on the big screen again. Hopefully, at least Return of the King. I think the, I went to Imagine also with Pat and the, it was great. I really enjoyed the theater, felt very clean and nice. I, all the little touches to it, it was really neat. The player piano, the seats could recline and also had heating built into them. So it was a really great theater experience. So let's wrap up our final thoughts on this flick. Will you recommend, not recommend? If you like a unpretentious 90s type action flick and you even know what that is, this movie is going to be for you. If you like prehistoric animals, dinosaurs, that sort of stuff, this movie is probably for you. If you're looking for Shakespeare, you're not going to get it. I recommend this movie for all those that like 90-ish action flicks or anything close to that. If you like that, this movie's for you. I basically agree with those sentiments. That's my thoughts on it also. I did want to clear up the, because I know people will listen to this and they'll think, oh, everything you own already comes from China. What's the big deal if they partner with studios? And I just think it's just, it's one more thing that we, I don't feel good that we, everything that I, but my cell phone is made in China and things like that. It's just another thing. And it just feels I'm not saying that the American movie industry is a bastion of warm fuzzies and good behavior, but I just it just feels like a cash grab to me for these Western studios partner with uh, Chinese studios. Uh, but with that aside, I think the the movie was fantastic. I really enjoyed this movie. I'd highly recommend it. I think it's a very easy to digest movie. It's one of those movies where Sometimes I feel like you go into a movie and you know it's action-packed. There are certain things that happen, and then you still have to check yourself and go, yeah, but this is an action movie. I'll, I'll give it a pass. 
there are definitely moments like that in this movie, but there's enough action to keep you entertained that you don't find yourself going, I'll give that a pass. You find yourself going, holy crap, that was fun. I want to see more. And that's how I felt about it and just thoroughly enjoyed it as soon as the action kicks off within the movie. And just the ludicrous ideas, too, of these giant sharks versus giant octopus versus a whole beach resort. It's just fantastic. So I highly recommend it. I recommend this film because it is a triumph of the human spirit. And it also taught me so much I didn't know about science. So I I think that if you want to learn some science, real science, none of that fake stuff. Bro science. Bro science. And of course, I'm joking. This is a really fun movie, and I would highly recommend it to anybody that likes fun movies and a lot of action. And there you have it, folks. Another episode of True Fiction's Kino Club in the books. Thank you for joining us for another round of Movie Madness and sharing your love for cinema. Don't forget to rate and review us on your favorite podcast app and stay tuned for next week's episode. Until then, keep your eyes and ears open for the truth in fiction. Good night. See you later, chum. Good night. (laughs) Perfect. Thanks for hanging out with us on the True Fiction Podcast. If you like what you've heard, please visit us at Facebook. You can also leave us a review on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. Until next time, stay true and stay creative. You're too late Catch a ride somewhere else Catch a ride Catch a ride